When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Editing Mike coming to you live from my honeymoon at the Dominican Republic. And you know what they say about the Dominican Republic. I have no idea, but I just need to end this with this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, tickets are still available, but they are going fast to see me teamed up live with Harry Potter and the Sacred Text in New Orleans on April 9th. It's going to be a fantastic show. I'm super excited about it. And if you want to get tickets, you can head on over to multitude.productions live. Also, this is the first episode of Potterless in March. Normally we do donation time here, but as this episode posts, I will be on a flight to my honeymoon. So let's do that for the following episode. That cool, everybody? Awesome. But of course, I have time to give a shout out to our new patrons. I'm recording this on the 26th, so if you joined between then and the time this episode comes out, I'll get you on the next episode. But in the meantime, a huge shout out to Mary Comerford, Leanne Bond, Christina Anderson, Danny Clark, and Claire D. Shout out to Kelsey Gillespie, who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our new producer-level patron, Taco Blowfish. They joined the ranks of Vicky Aaron, Jesse Clown, Marchismo, Samantha Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Rossan, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Muster, Ingen, Alex, John, Noel, Emily, Liz, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Summer, Andrea, Lynn, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Netta, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Sarah, Marta, Erin, Eileen, Violet, Lindsay, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Ann, Mr. Folk, Maya, Kieran, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Peter, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Daniel, Lee, Lily, Elizabeth, Michael, Tiffany, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Mary, Jennifer, Jaden, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Kayla, Aurora, Emma, out of Context, Marcos, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Jenny, Sarah, McKenna, Mary, Joy, Heather, Dead, Cat Lady, Javi, Darlene, Brad, Thomas, Charlotte, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Bugaboo, Jarl, Haley, Emma, Ashley, Peta, Sophie, Jack, Jen, and Nicole, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Jordy, Bella, Melanie, Bill, Victoria, Joe, Elizabeth, Britt, Molly, Becca, Anthony, Rees, Adam, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, G, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Maria, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob, Rossitano, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never forget to pack enough toothpaste when they're gone from their home for a month, meaning that they don't have to borrow toothpaste from their parents every morning and night. If you want to be like one of these patrons and get access to bonus content such as director's commentary, bonus episodes, my notes, exclusive live streams, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 115 of Potterless, the third of four parts, I'll cover this later, covering the eighth movie, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, guest starring Ty Stafford and Kelly Schubert! Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man who didn't read the Harry Potter books as a kid. Now he read them, 
because of a podcast, this one that you're listening to, and he watched the movies too, and he's talking about the last one. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined again by my fiance. I think now my wife in real time posting at this point. Uh, if it's March when this comes out, yes, mm-hmm. Kelly Beckman slash I guess Kelly Schubert. Uh. <laughs> and over the internet, live from California, we've got Ty Stafford. Hey, so Ty and Kelly, how is it going? I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling sad, Mike. Why? It's the last movie episode. It's okay. There will be more. I think I'm going to do an episode or two about deleted scenes, Ooh. which will be oh, fun. Oh, fun. Yeah. I like that. Nice. And then I'll do episodes about, then we'll just go on to like the spin books. <laughs> <laughs> so in this clip, Rupert Grint says Hork Flux instead of Hork Crux. <laughs> Uh, uh, and then everyone uh, uh. laughs. Now, I thought instead that they should have. <laughs> so we've got some Harry Potter and the Deathly Owls Part 2 to discuss. So let's get right into it. Because there are a lot of things that I would like to complain about because they ruined this part this of the movie. The <laughs> this is going to be a grumpy this is the part episode. Why, this is the reason why I don't watch this movie as much is because of this ending. Oh, wow. So, I'm so intrigued to see what you think about it, Ty. Just like as... <laughs> An observer of the movies. I didn't know there was... Is this a common thing that most Harry Potter heads say that this is like just ruin of the back the half. ending of this movie there it just I don't know if it was David Yates or the screenwriter or whoever it was I don't know what happened someone looked at the end of the book which is written so well I think something that J.K. Rowling writes incredibly well is action type scenes especially frantic ones I said this a lot in the book episodes but the way that she writes the end of this book you feel like you are inside of Harry's brain because it's very frantic and it describes all of the things happening around you. It feels like you are running through the hallways with Harry. Mm -hmm. It's done so well and it's so vivid. You feel like you're there and it was perfect. And whoever was involved in the movie took that and was like, nah, (laughs) you know what would make it better? (laughs) If we just changed everything. (laughs) There's symbolism in these chapters. Uh, uh, no, let's just meld Harry and Voldemort's face together as they fly through the air. So we left off with uh, McGonagall and Molly and Seamus and Neville are walking out the front. They're about to set up some protective charms and stuff. And McGonagall basically gives Neville and Seamus the okay to set up some explosives as a defense mechanism. There's a part where I think Neville says boom and then McGonagall goes boom, boom. <laughs> which is great. I also, as, as they were watching that, he's like, wait. You mean I can do this? And I'm like, yeah, you're fucking fighting Voldemort. (laughs) What do you mean? Nothing is off limits. No holds barred, dude. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. At this stage, I think it's cool to say we want to use explosives. (laughs) (laughs) Then during this conversation, someone says, you know who? And then Maggie Smith says, his name is Voldemort. And what's the rest of the quote? His name is Voldemort. You might as well get used to saying it. He's going to try to kill you either way. Oh, so good. (laughs) I'm so glad I have you here to to get all of my things because I wrote just short notes and then you get to fill them out. So then she does an amazing thing where she uses the spell pure pure totem locomotor. Nailed it. Something like that. Hold on. Pure totem. Yeah, pure totem locomotor, which I took Latin in high school. Wow, I didn't know that, Mike. I know. I actually never mentioned it in the show. He mentions it all the time. That's why. <laughs> That's why it's a joke. Pure totem means like all stones and then locomotor means move. So it's basically saying stone things. Everything move. that's made out of stone 
please move because they have all the statues moved. Now, this is something differs between book and movie, which makes me a little sad. In the movie, it's just these knights in shining armor kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But in the books, it's just every statue that's in the school. So you have gargoyles, you have statues of animals, you have the knights in armor, you have anything that is a statue come to life, which I think is way more fun. And I guess the CGI team just had so much on their plate that they asked, please don't make us do this. <laughs> but it makes me really sad because it's something I thought was really cool. When she says that line of like, oh, I've always wanted to do that spell. Oh, uh, it's spell. so the joy in her eyes <laughs> is so good. So Good. I got choked up when she said it. It was so moving. She looks so genuinely happy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be cynical about it, but in that moment, I was like, we're about to fight Voldemort and his army, and we're like cracking jokes right now. Like, Look, on. you need some sort of levity yeah. to brighten <laughs> things up. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And it was so cute. Yes. Like, it just, like, it felt like a very, very cute, like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it's a great moment. So then you have Harry and Luna running up the stairs trying to figure out where this Horcrux is. And Harry is just not listening to Luna. Eventually, she screams at him, Harry Potter, you listen to me right now. Harry Potter, you listen to me right now. <laughs> Which is very good. They changed this pretty drastically from book to movie. There was a whole thing where Harry and Luna are looking for it. They get caught by one of the Caros, Electo. Mm -hmm. Neville mentions these two people, the brother and sister, Ty, that are running discipline at the school. It's this brother-sister duo that yeah. are basically terrorizing all the students. And while they are looking for it, they go to the bust of Ravenclaw in the Ravenclaw common room in the books to try to figure out where this diadem is. And they get caught by Electo, and then Amicus comes, and Harry uses Crucio on Amicus, which I think is another cool thing, because then he's using another unbreakable curse. No, mm -hmm. another, was it? Unforgivable. He uses yeah. another unforgivable spell, and that's just all gone from the movie. But I do like that they've made Luna very competent and very much telling him, but on the flip... In the book, Harry kind of figures it all out and pieces it all together because he remembers seeing the diadem in the Room of Requirement mm -hmm. and all of that. And you lose out a little bit on Harry having these brain blasts, yeah. which is common throughout the series, but especially this book. And it's also like, I think part of his character arc is that mm -hmm. he's really, this is finally his element. Mm -hmm. He's good right. under pressure. And so I think it's, you know taking away from his character development. Mm -hmm. I agree. You don't get to see it as much, which yeah. makes me a little sad, but I still enjoy them. If we have to take it with Luna being very competent and standing up to Harry, I'll take Fine. it. I'll take it. <laughs> it's, it's the best case replacement. Then they cut to Voldemort with all of the Death Eaters and Snatchers. And uh, I don't know where they got 50,000 people, but there are way too many of these people. There's yeah. way too many. I always imagined it being like 60 people. It's more than just Death Eaters now. It's Snatchers too. It's the Snatchers, but it's also all the werewolves. Remember, Lupin was trying right. to get them on their side. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the Giants. Hagrid was trying to get them on their side. But from side. what they show in the movie, there is so, there is a like an army of people. It yeah. looks like well, the scene from the Two Towers. There's so <laughs> many freaking people. Not quite, but yeah. There's so many. I get your point. It's but. I think far too many. So then we get to the scene where Hermione and Ron break into the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Kelly already Let's warned go. me that she was going to go to the mat for this. So what happens <laughs> in the movie is that Ron 
bullshits some parcel tongue and opens the door. And what I've always said, I've said this on the podcast before, and I will defend it, is that I believe that parcel tongue, this snake talking thing, is not just some language that you can learn. It's an ability that you either have or you don't have. And I think Ron just saying it because he heard Harry say it to open the locket and talked in his sleep a couple of times. I think that is complete BS. I disagree. Why do you disagree? Because it's not a language you can teach because Harry doesn't know what he's saying while he's saying it. But open in parcel tongue sounds the same every single time. So if Ron hears it enough, he's not learning what he's saying, but he is learning a word in parcel tongue. He's How like, many oh, times picking... has he heard this? Not that many. Apparently, Harry talks in his sleep. It didn't just say open. <laughs> the closer justification of it is that he says open earlier in this book to open the locket. So that would be fresh on his mind, but I still don't buy it. But the thing is that I could, from watching this movie enough, Say some of the lines in parcel tongue. Say one of them. Let's now. hear it. I'm not doing this. Say one of them. I'm not now. doing this. Kelly. I'm not doing this. Your argument will fall flat unless you can do it. You could win this argument right here and now. You're gonna edit this out? No, I'm gonna make it three <laughs> times as loud. <laughs> and put an effect on it to have an echo and everything. Yes. Say one of the lines. What does that mean? I have no idea, but they say it enough in the movies <laughs> that I'm like that's something you in parcel what? tongue. Just hearing you do that, I was like, maybe I'm on your side now. <laughs> right. That is that is something that they do enough in the movies that I have no idea what I am saying in parcel tongue, but I just said something that a snake would understand. Here is my, my counterpoint to <laughs> that is if one word could be mimicked and said and said correctly enough to open the door, which means said correctly – if one word can be done that way, every word can be done that way. So someone would know or would be able, not necessarily that someone can teach them, like you're saying that Harry doesn't know what he's saying. So it's not about being taught it, but someone could learn it themselves. And if you're telling me that neither Dumbledore nor Hermione Granger learned how to speak parcel tongue when it is able to be learned, I think that's complete BS. I think that neither of them would want to learn it because it's associated with dark wizards, first of all. Second of all, just by... <laughs> <Ready> to rock. <laughs> just by Harry saying something and then the door opening and them asking Harry, what'd you say? He's like, I don't know. You're not sure if he's saying open the door. You're not sure if he's saying open. You're not sure if he's saying... A password. Yeah, if he's saying a password. He doesn't know what he's saying, so he's unable to connect the dots for you as to what but, that phrase uh, is. Harry's a different case. Other people know what they're saying. Like who? Gaunt. Gaunt talks in straight parcel tongue. Okay, well, he and doesn't he knows want to teach anybody. Right, the but, other but thing, there could be someone that knows it but and the does. the other thing about it, there are very few people who speak parcel tongue. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people are in the line of Slytherin and hold it close to the vest because they no. don't want to teach it. It's a right to know it. And they don't want intellectuals to co-opt their language and start speaking it. So they're not going to teach it. You don't have very many parcel tongues out there, first of all. And then second of all, you don't have very many parcel tongues out there who would want to teach it even if they could. Yeah. This reminds me when I was a kid, I had a dog and every once in a while I'd bark at it and be like, I wonder what I just said in dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I meow at my cats all the time. In like the same yeah. tones that they meow at me, I meow back at them. I try and mimic exactly what they're doing. That's why your parcel tongue's so good. So maybe I'm saying something to them. What's funny with this kind of thing is to think like if you were close to saying a word, you know, your cat is looking at a tomato and says meow, and then you say meow, and but in their brain, you just said potato, and then Merlin, the cat's like, you fucking idiot. That's not a potato. That's a tomato. <laughs> So we could argue this until the end of time. That is probably how my learning Korean is going, where I say something. My Korean friends are like, you idiot. That's horrible. And I I have all the resources to learn it out there. I I will say, I, I still think it's kind of crap. But your point that people would not want to teach it does make sense. The other thing is it's not even just languages, but noises. Your brain remembers and associates certain noises with certain things. So... Whether it's the chime of a phone or the certain like opening to a sequence, uh, I've the tried. What am I trying to say? of a net after you make a three pointer. No, or like the the chime <laughs> <No>. before <laughs> the chime before you do an ad read. I could uh. imitate that. And that's not a language, but I know exactly what that sounds like in my head. And I could imitate that because I have heard that enough times that mm-hmm. I know what that is. Let me say this, though. Imitation, though, right. is very different than unlocking a door that's through my parcel point. tongue. That's my point. But he can imitate the sound, and the sound is what unlocks the door. Yeah, well, but then, the, I don't know, it, we don't know how strict the magic is, but you could see the magic being like, well, this motherfucker can't speak parcel tongue. <laughs> <laughs> He's just saying some noises that sound like it. I don't know. I think there'd be a difference between him walking up and just making snake sounds <laughs> and him walking up and saying a phrase that he has heard many times over and over again. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Edit out of this what you want, just as long as it makes it look like I won the argument, because I did. <laughs> this scene makes me very upset, but immediately after, they have a scene that makes me very happy, which is burning the Quidditch fields to the ground, which is not something that happens in the book. It is completely unnecessary, but I hate Quidditch with all of my soul. So it makes me very happy that the movie, whether it's the director, I don't know, who do I send the edible arrangement to? David Yates? <laughs> Say, Mr. Yates, thank you so much for deciding that we had to burn the Quidditch field to the ground. Yours truly, Michael Schubert from the Pineless Podcast. I think it was probably supposed to be an emotional thing. Yeah, they were like, everyone will be sad when Quidditch burns down, except no, for this like... one kid that's like, fuck yeah, baby! You're in the theater applauding. <laughs> What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, it's like the thing that is supposed to make Hogwarts the most fun, and it's burning. Well, it could have been the most fun if the rules weren't complete garbage. I anyway. don't disagree with you. <laughs> so they go into the chamber. I am still flabbergasted and will be forever to this day that no one cleaned up the Chamber of Secrets. The dead snake skeleton yeah. is still there. How has no one cleaned it? Unbelievable. Yeah. So they grab the basilisk fangs out of it. They take the cup, which I never imagined it being that small. But it's very tiny in the movie. They yes. shank the cup, and then it sets shank off. Shank it. <laughs> it sets off this angry Voldemort water trap. I guess. Oh yeah. I guess he put some magic. It was like okay, when, while he's making the Chamber of Secrets, it's like okay, if anyone ever destroys a Horcrux, not the diary because that's different. But if anyone ever destroys another Horcrux inside of the Chamber of Secrets, make a big angry water splash go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but not enough to actually hurt you. No, yeah, just enough for dramatic effect. I just want to scare these guys. <laughs> so they get all 
silhouette. They do the kiss, which makes me sad because this kiss is something that is somewhat replicated of something that happens in the books. But when it happens in the books, the whole squad is together. So Harry is there. And while they're kissing, Harry says one of my favorite lines, which is, Oi, there's a war going on here. <laughs> and you don't get that line in the movie. And it makes me really sad. It was pretty funny. That was a great Harry impression. <laughs> Thank you. I've said that particular line many, many times. I know. Because <laughs> it's so funny. I just have a note here that I want a compilation of all the times. It has to exist on YouTube. A compilation of all the times Voldemort goes, because oh after they God. after they stab Let's the cup. Find it. After they stab the cup, he's like, and then he sets off the big spell while all the Death Eaters and Snatchers are trying to bring down the defenses around Hogwarts. He lets off a big spell and does a huge while he does it. Give me a straight grandpa vibes with those sounds. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what? Is this good? You sound like you're in pain, dog. While he does that, they have a thing where the elder wand, they zoom in on it and it's starting to break. I guess this is a way to show you that the elder wand isn't not obeying and not working properly. I guess that's how you're supposed to do that. But then you have a scene where... Neville is standing up to the Death Eaters and Snatchers that are trying to break in. And before the defenses are broken, there's the thing where it just straight up disintegrates people, much like the little bomb that the Green Goblin throws in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man when he throws the one and uh, out am I? And then all they turn into skeletons. It reminded me of that. I don't remember that. Oh, it's iconic. (laughs) Stephen Parra at home listening to this podcast is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that joke was for one person and it was, it was for, for Stephen Parra. It was for my bud, Stephen Parra, <laughs> the groomsman in my wedding. But then after the defenses are down, Scabior tests and sees that they can walk. So then they all start running through the walkway and Neville sets off the explosives. This is not something that is done in the book, but I love this. That I think it's good. so yeah. cool. It's funny. It's frantic. It's done well. The effects are cool. Neville is very fun when he like jumps and pulls himself up. Uh, I loved it. It does look awesome. But I was thinking about like, if you've ever been to a concert and you have tons of people all trying to go through one little area, <laughs> you're not going to get that many people on the bridge. That's it true. was some intense bottlenecking. All these dudes must have been in real time just standing there waiting their turn. Like, okay, let's yeah. go. <laughs> I noticed that because it's such a wide spread of people trying to get through this narrow thing. Yes, there's so many of them. The people who are so far in the front that they're kind of wrapped around, you have to think everyone's trying to sprint through and these people are like, oh yeah, how's it going? Oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to yeah, try exactly. to. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Like, what are those guys doing? <laughs> what conversations are happening between those Death Eaters and Snatchers that are just very shuffling through? I mean, this this happens anytime you get off the subway, like the court square stop mm-hmm. when you get off the G to get on the 7. It's very much that where everyone's trying to funnel into this one tiny stairwell so yeah. that you can make the transfer. Yeah, at a certain point, you're just like shuffling your feet. You're not even moving. Right. It's more <laughs> of you're just trying to make sure no one goes in front of you. You're not moving <laughs> forward. You're just repositioning yourself so that you don't get cut by someone else. I just want Death Eaters to be like arguing about getting cut. Like, no, no, no. I'm up next. <laughs> Stand on the right. Walk on the left. <laughs> then it just starts to get into intense fight mode. And a lot of the things that happen aren't done exactly the same way that they're described in the book. But that being said, there are still some cool things. I like that there are some giant plants that trap the giants when they're going. There's some plant with a bunch of vines that wraps around one of the giants or trolls and 
straps it to the ground, Mm -hmm. which I thought was cool. But then immediately after that, you have Death Eaters flying all over the place, which is whack, and I do not enjoy it. Yeah, that part's bad. Mm -hmm. It's as if the movie has to alternate between cool things and bad things, because right after that, you have Kingsley Shacklebolt freezing someone who flew through a window in time and then shooting him back out the window. Yeah, but the guy flew through the window and he shouldn't be able to fly. Exactly. (laughs) It did look so cool, though. So freaking cool. Great moment. Then the movie adds something again, not in the book, but I appreciate is that Neville, who's really bloodied at this point, goes up to the squad, asks if they know where Luna is. They go, I don't know why. And he says that he wants to tell her that he's mad about her, which I thought was great because when I read the books, I always thought that Luna and Neville was a great pairing. And in the books, it doesn't happen. Later on, you learn that Neville marries Hannah Abbott, who's just some, you know, a random Hufflepuff student that we barely know anything about, except for that she's first alphabetically in the school because she's sorted first. And I think she was in Dumbledore's army with them. That's about it. And then Luna goes on to marry Newt Scamander's grandson, I think, Rolf Scamander, which that was a it was a Potter Moore bonus interview oh. thing that was never done in the book. But I always thought Luna and Neville would be such a fun pairing. Yeah. Wow. So that did not happen in the books. They straight up no. just fabricated this relationship. Yeah, they just yeah. added it. But I think it makes sense. You have Luna and Neville who were made fun of and then by the end of the series are very competent. And they were with the squad in the fifth book when they did the big thing in the Ministry but they're of kind Magic. Of on the outside of the squad. Right. Time. I think they're a perfect couple. Yeah. Ugh. I'm bummed about it, but I'm glad the movie did it. So give me a little <laughs> happy moment. I have a Kelly note. You said that uh, the kiss between Harry best and one. Ginny is their best one, though that is not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not saying much, but it's the best one because it's been like a year since they've been together and they finally get together. But there's so much other stuff going on that neither of them is going to let this moment distract them. And it's a understood thing between them. And I think that that is the best that they've had relationship-wise together. But yeah, not not really a high bar. I always am curious, like, in these high-pressure moments, I, I love it in film, and it's great. But I'm just like, is anyone naturally horny <laughs> in these scenarios? <laughs> I, do, I mean, I've never really been in a life-or-death scenario before. You know, Fair. But I don't know that my first thought, I I feel like I would be so freaked out. I mean, the closest I think I've ever been to a life or death scenario like this, or at least just fear of attack, the closest I've been to war is when I've played paintball. I was going to say, what are you about to say? (laughs) And I've never been horny while I play paintball. (laughs) On the other hand, you are. On the other hand, you are very horny when you play paintball. (laughs) On the other hand, I've never played when paintball. When I play laser tag. <laughs> but they Sploosh. This is the first time they're seeing each other in a long time and they both understand this could be the last time that they see each other. That makes sense. Okay. And that's beautiful. To put it in a different mm-hmm. kind of context. Sure. When I'm running around in the morning late for work, I never forget to give you a kiss before I leave. That's true. I'm running around I'm late. I'm got a meeting in 20 minutes and I have to get to the office. Right. But I don't forget to give you a kiss before I leave. Right. Because podcasting is a very dangerous job and I could, Obviously, who knows what could happen? Who knows, who knows what's going to happen, happen to me? <laughs> it's a very different kind of thing, but I feel like it's the most coupley thing that they have done. Right. Is kiss but not make it a big romantic horny kiss. Mm-hmm. It's just a kiss to show that I love you and Hopefully I see you soon, but just in case. Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, past Mike, I always blow you a kiss when I finish the recording just in case I don't see you anymore because, as you said, podcasting is dangerous. But let's take a little bit of a break now for Wingardium Adriosa. Today's episode of Powderless is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. Let's say hypothetically that you just defeated your most hated enemy that you've been fighting for the past seven-ish years, and you really need to celebrate this momentous occasion. You're going to take a nap first, obviously, but then you're going to have a party, of course. How are you going to make sure this party is awesome and fancy and fantastic? You're going to have a box delivered from Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is absolutely fantastic. They take a bunch of ingredients and instructions on how to make three different cocktails all using the same liquor and they send it directly to your door. All you need to do is provide the bottle of liquor. They give you all of the other ingredients and the instructions to make four servings of three different drinks. You can make 12 drinks for your party, which is super cool. And then you have the instructions forever so you can keep making this drink and everyone will think you're a big fancy boy even though all you did was follow instructions. Hooray! If there's a particular type of liquor that you like but you don't really know how to spice it up and make some different different drinks with it, this is the perfect opportunity. I knew that I liked whiskey a lot. I didn't know a whole lot of whiskey-type drinks to get. I got a Shaker and Spoon whiskey box, and now I know how to make a bunch of whiskey drinks. It's fantastic. And as a Potter's listener, you can save $20 off your first box if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizardon, because you will get $20 off your first box. These boxes usually go between $40 and $50, so that's about half price. That's a lot of savings. So go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizardon, and you can make some fancy drinks for your friends, and everyone will think you are a very impressive human being today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterclub.com. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is flash. Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a real club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild collection of cards for $40 packs in a more transparent way. That's a real sports nerd slash Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me. You can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. The next note I have is they finally made Ron competent. I don't know what he did in the scene to make this note, but it is still a general vibe of him just being competent. Oh, it, it was then I, it's before they go into the room of requirement. Does he do anything in particular? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um he and Hermione are reading the Marauders map mm-hmm. and they see Harry and right, all of a sudden right, he right. disappears and Hermione goes, oh my gosh, where'd he go? And Ron's like, maybe he's in the room of requirement. You said that that doesn't show up on the map, right? And she's like, I I did say that. And he goes like, all right, let's go. And then what did you say to me when we were watching? You said like the most romantic thing someone can do is remember something that I their said, significant other said I said, see, before. Michael, it's very sexy to know that you're listening. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more romantic than remembering what I have said to you. Well, that and then paintball. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then you have Harry in the room of requirement trying to find the diadem. Because has he already talked to Helena Ravenclaw and I just took no notes about it? Yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah, the scene with the ghost is done so differently from book to movie. In the movie, it's done a lot quicker. It's very rushed. And weird. They leave out the story about the diadem, how it came to be, how Tom Riddle tricked her into giving it to the him. The resentment him between it. her and her mom, her kind of mistrust of men in general. Because of the bloody baron. Yeah. You get a lot of backstory that you don't get in the movie. Yeah. You know, I did get it, though, huh. from not reading the books, when she straight up screams at him and like her <laughs> eyes go huge or whatever. I was like, Okay, so right. she's real pissed at Tom Riddle. Yeah, I think they give you... The emotion of it. They give you the, the emotion of it, and they give you the most important thing, which is that I had this thing, Tom Riddle tricked me into giving this thing, and he used it for dark magic, and I'm very mad and embarrassed about that. Mm-hmm. And I distrust you, Harry, because you are saying the same kind of things that he said to me, and you remind me of him. Which That's is right. a little foreshadowing to because Tom Riddle has a part of his soul inside of Harry. I love that little line. I was like, oh, nice. So I think for the movie it made sense of taking out what they did. But in the book it is way more intricate. And it is a longer scene and all of that. But it's one of those moves where I'm glad you feel this way, Ty. Because it's like I feel like it's one of those things that I'm mad about. But trying to take myself out of it probably is not that big of a deal. Yeah. All of the things that they change. Because, yeah, who cares? There's more important stuff going on. Oh, there's a war going yeah, exactly. on over oh, here. <laughs> <laughs> a thing that I don't like, though, is that when Harry is in the room for Carmen trying to find the Horcrux, he can hear the Horcruxes, yeah. which makes him finding it not fun. What is cool in the book, Ty, is that the way Harry finds it is in the sixth book, he sees this tiara. He sees it on a bust near something that he hides when he's, he's hiding, hiding his the textbook, yeah. the Half-Blood Prince's advanced potions making book. And he, in the seventh book, is trying to think about it after he learns that it's a diadem and what it is. He has a Jimmy Neutron brain blast and realizes, <laughs> oh, I've seen this thing before. It was on that bust from that one time. And I think that's a really cool moment. Whereas... They kind of just dumb it down for Harry here. And this takes away some of Harry's character development of being able to remember these things and make these realizations and put two and two together. He's just in the room of requirement and hears something go and then follows it. And that's not fun. Right. It's just I don't like there's clues and hints. In the sixth movie, 
that scene where he hides the textbook and, you know, puts the wig and the tiara on top of a troll bus to find it again. Mm-hmm. They killed that scene by making that the awkward kiss scene with Jitty. So yep. that's just like a double-edged sword right it's there. It's the butterfly effect. <laughs> so he grabs it. Then you've got Malfoy, Goyle, and Zabini instead of Crab in here. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to ask if there's any significance to that. Yes. Like, why is this third lackey in there? So the significance is that in the book, it's Crab, Goyle, and Malfoy, which mm-hmm. makes sense because it's always his two Goonies. But the actor who played Crab was kicked off of the movies <sighs> for selling weed. So... Instead, they just had this other random Slytherin, Zabini. They just throw him in, and then they decide instead of, in the book, Crab being the one. He's the worst one, right? Yeah, so in the book, it's Crab who does the fiend fire, and he's, like, actively bad. He tries yeah. to use, I don't know if he, he uses. He tries to use the killing curse the killing on Hermione. Curse on Hermione. I had to look that up. I was like, dang, like he's he's going hard right now. Right. In the book, that's Crab, and then Crab dies in the fire. But then in this one, they decide to make it Goyle and then Goyle dies. Yeah. Now can we go back? So the actor who plays Crab was selling weed like on set? Not on set. <laughs> I looked into this when I was doing the other movies because I thought that he was just smoking weed and they kicked him off. And I was like, that's a bit extreme. But I looked up his Wikipedia and he was arrested for possession and selling marijuana. And then he has like a more tattered past. He was arrested multiple times. <laughs> Of all the houses, would Slytherins be the drug dealers? Yes, a million percent. I was going to say, he was just getting into character. Hufflepuff would grow all of it because (laughs) Professor Sprout is their head of house. That's right. So they would be the suppliers, and then Slytherin would be the dealers. And then Gryffindors would be the users. Gryffindor would be the users, and then Ravenclaws would all be using Adderall so that they just get higher test scores. Right. The Ravenclaws would be the bookkeepers. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah, it's a whole economy. Wait, what, what houses are, are you two? I am a Gryffindor. I'm a Hufflepuff. What are you? I'm a Ravenclaw. Ooh, look at that. Damn, some That's diversity. Fun. I don't know that I would have pegged you as a Ravenclaw. Are you a big book nerd? You know, no. <laughs> I was so shocked that came up. And then even recently on Pottermore, they opened up, mm-hmm. you can take the test again. Mm-hmm. And I did it again and hit Ravenclaw again. Then you're a true Ravenclaw. Sounds That's what it me. is, you know? Yeah. Nothing I can do about it. That's who you are. The hat sorted me. <laughs> so they have the scene where they're in here. They get into the fight. The fiend fire starts. The effects of the fiend fire are super cool yeah. with all of the animals that are the fire and it's all very, of that. It's um, very Lord of the Ring mm-hmm. river-esque. Mm. Very poor plan on uh, Draco's part, though, where he's climbing all this shit yeah. rather than trying to find a way out. Like, <laughs> you know fire goes upward, right? <laughs> Heat rises, my dude. That's right. The music score, though, was very good. Yeah. And the score throughout this film is spot on. Very good. But in this particular scene, it was really dramatic and it, it was really solid. Something, though, eventually the squad gets brooms and are flying around. Did Hermione get her own broom in the book? I thought no. I thought she was with Ron. Right. I thought she gets on the broom with Ron. And, and then, then Harry's alone Harry's and, picks, alone up Draco. and picks up Draco. Yeah. While they're on the broom, she does some spell too to kind of get the fire out of their way. And yes. I'm like, why didn't you just do that earlier? Uh, they tried at some point, I think. It's Aguamenti is this little water spell that you can use to put out basic fires. But this fire, which they don't go into detail in the movie, uh, but they do in the book, is this thing called Fiend Fire, which is a really dark, evil, uncontrollable fire. Mm. And it's even so powerful. Powerful that in the book it destroys the tiara. So they don't 
destroy, destroy horcruxes. It can destroy horcruxes. They don't use the basilisk fang like they do in the movie where they shank it and then kick it into the fire. That looked so sick. Super yeah. sweet. Super part. sweet. But in the book, they just escape. And then as they are outside, the tiara starts to leak out this black goo and then crumbles to pieces. And then Hermione reveals that it's Fiendfire and all this other stuff. I think Fiendfire is one of the worst things. I won't even get into it. You can listen to my old episode of Potter's. I think it makes no sense at all. So I love that the movie did it this way. Made it better. Because there's no reason. Basically, very quickly, Ty, Fiendfire is this dark, evil fire. And Hermione reveals that, oh, yeah, it can destroy horcruxes. I looked it up. But it's so uncontrollable that we never should have used it. And they already have basilisk fangs as a means to destroying horcruxes. So J.K. Rowling did not need to include this. The fiend fire could have just been dark magic fire that's really bad and scary and destroys the room of requirement and they have to escape from it. But you don't need to include the extra thing about horcruxes. And then they could have done exactly what they did in the movie. So I'm glad they fixed it. That made me very happy. Yeah, because then all the extra time that they were wandering around with the locket that Hermione never even mentioned that Mm -hmm. she knew there was another Mm way. Mm-hmm. Like while they're discussing all the ways in which to destroy it, she never brings it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then you have, of course, because the movie has decided to do this, that when a Horcrux is destroyed, Voldemort can feel it. And then Harry gets the clue about the next one. So Voldemort feels it and he realizes there is only one Horcrux left. And that is Nagini. Or at least to his knowledge that there's only one left because he doesn't know about Harry being a secret Horcrux. Spoiler alert. That's when Voldemort says to Nagini, I have to keep you safe. And then they apparate away. And that's when Harry gets the clue of, oh, that's the snake. It's the last one. Now, in the book, Ty, there is an additional thing that Voldemort does to keep Nagini safe. He puts (laughs) Nagini... In a glowing, floating sphere. Ooh. Like a hamster wheel. I imagined it was like one of the balls from Super Monkey Ball. Oh. <laughs> With all stars and stuff around it. And I totally understand why the movie did not do this, because that is very silly. But I was still heartbroken, because I wanted to see this. Just, yeah, 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 just trying to roll around. <laughs> How do you make this look cool? <laughs> So then I have another thing. I just wrote movie eight Ron, super competent. Not sure what he did here, but he must have done something good. But then they go to the boathouse. And this is, again, one of those things that's only infuriating because they read the book. The boathouse that is at Hogwarts does not exist in the books. It's just not a thing. And instead, where they go in the books for this big showdown between Voldemort and Snape is they go to the Shrieking Shack. Remember that from the third book slash movie where Sirius and Lupin and Pettigrew, that whole big reveal happens? Oh, sure, yeah. So that's where this all takes place in the book, which I think is nice. It's a big circular thing where, oh, it's come full circle. I get that they maybe wanted to save some time because they would have had to go through the Whomping Willow and through the Secret Passageway and all (laughs) of that. But you lose a bit of the symbolism of Snape's ultimate death being in the Shrieking Shack, which is this place that he harbors bad memories with because he almost died in the Shrieking Shack when he was a kid. Yeah. It frustrates me that they do the boathouse partially because it's not the Shrieking Shack and then partially because there is no boathouse (laughs) in Harry Potter. Why have we made this the boathouse? It does not exist. When you think about it, though, the boats that the first years come in need a house. So, But there's no (laughs) boathouse. Ah, David Yates. So then they go back. They show more fighting stuff. Fun thing. You have a giant using a broken Quidditch hoop goal. We're at my favorite scene now. Yes, as a weapon, which I think is fun. But then we get your favorite scene. Kelly, why don't you talk about your favorite scene? First of all, the score of the scene Mm -hmm. is just like 
the best part of right. the whole thing. Right. But if you also pay attention, the order in which they they're running through the courtyard being attacked by a bunch of different creatures and people. And it's a big chaotic scene. And the three of them are just running through the courtyard, just trying to avoid everything and get into the castle. And the order in which they approach different creatures is the order of the story of the book. So the first thing that comes after them is a troll, which is very reminiscent of their first year in the bathroom. Troll in the dungeon! (laughs) Then they turn the corner and there's a bunch of the large spiders, which is obviously the Chamber of Secrets. Then they start running and they see a werewolf attacking Lavender Brown. Which this is always a big thing because it's, is she alive? Is she dead? People have debated it. She's obviously dead. Debated if she was dead or not. (laughs) She's dead. She's being eaten. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's just chilling there. She's dead. (laughs) Who's debating that? Yeah, I don't know. I've heard this. I haven't gotten into a discussion about this myself, but I feel like I've heard scuttlebutt of a big thing is like, did Lavender die or not? I'm so curious. How would you get up from that? I think what I'm confusing this with is I think in the book, it's vague. I think this is what it is. I think the book is vague about it and the movie is not vague about oh, it. Oh, maybe okay. so. Because they've this and then also in the movie they have Trelawney covering a body with a tarp and Trelawney and Lavender were close from classes. And Provardi's there. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. I think in the book it's vague and in the movie they were like, nah, we're fucking killing Lavender. <laughs> so she's being attacked by a werewolf, which is the third book. Uh, then they run out into all these Dementors, which is very much the third book, but also a thing that happens in the fourth book as well. Uh, yeah. And then they turn around and the entire Order of the Phoenix is there, which is obviously the fifth, the fifth one. And then they run off to deal with this thing with Snape, which is six. the sixth. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. It's this really cool symbolic thing with this beautiful sweeping music in the background and it just kind of, ties together all of these creatures which on their own were very like the troll was kind of like a silly little thing and then it gradually gets darker but brings them all together into one scene it was really poetic it was nice it was something i didn't know so i'm glad kelly pointed out to me and that's why we have such esteemed guests like yourself on the podcast (laughs) that is really cool i love that now that i know it you should go watch it again it's really cool to watch it after you realize that Oh, past Kelly, you're just so wise. I would hope that past Mike would lock that up and put a ring on it. Oh, wait, he did. This past Saturday. Hey, it's me, editing Mike. So because of a few factors, we're going to cut the episode short here. First, this recording for this third part was an hour and a half long, which is quite lengthy. Second, wedding Mike was incredibly busy this week. So having two shorter episodes just works better for his life. And he promised Kelly that over the wedding weekend and honeymoon, he wouldn't work at all. So to make sure that this marriage doesn't end as quickly as it began, we're going to do two shorter episodes. So we're going to cut this one here and the next week we'll finish the discussion of this movie. I hope you understand, but thank you so much for all of the kind words that people have sent me recently. And I am very excited to just relax and enjoy being married to Kelly on the honeymoon and not having to worry about all sorts of work things and social media and all kind of stuff like that. And I'll come back on March 9th. We'll be strong. Things will be ready to go. And then we'll get right into the next phase of Potterless beyond the movies. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Kelly and Ty for joining on this episode. If you want to find Kelly on Twitter, it's at vote for me, Kelly B. If you want to find Ty on Instagram, it's at ironing my underwear. If you want to find me, just search Potterless everywhere. It'll show up. And until next time, as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they get freaking married to the girl they've been with the past few years, wizard on. 
Are you looking at the clothes in your closet and the little knickknacks around your room and thinking, these are nice, but not as good as they could be? You know what's perfect? Multitude merchandise. We've got new merch for all of the shows. It's all fantastic. It's all pretty. It's beautiful. And the website can show you all of what we have to offer. And that website link is multitude.production slash merch. So check out stuff for all of the Multitude shows. Potterless and everyone else has some wonderful stuff out there. So check it out today. Potteros is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Klaus Lopu, Marchese, Mo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary Dodge, Marie Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonier, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Ross Ann Batamana, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian, the Owl, Takari Ron, Haley Hastings, Moster, Ingen Oddstotter, Alex Consilver, John Codker, Noel Basile, Emily Tyrell, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Ensign, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillen, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou, Friday, J. Sven, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Summer Rathel, Andrea Crock, Lynn Walker, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Ned Atabani, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addie, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Aaron Richter, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Lindsay Towning, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Maya, Kieran, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Series Scars Ford, Georgia, Peter Wyckoff, Skylar Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Leedley, Elizabeth Christopher, and Michael David Yordi, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly O'Till, Carrie Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Mary Mateel, Jennifer Wendt, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Will Husser, Samantha Lenz, Kayla M. Simino, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Out of Context 69, Marco Cepeda, Hannah Zeters, Courtney Spilker, Victoria McCormick, Marika Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Anna Penalber, Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Jenny, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Mary Joy Moa, Heather, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, Javi Guadalupe, Trejo III, Darlene Kerr, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Charlotte, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Tew, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Emma, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Jen and Rose Dab, Nicole Linzer, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Jordy Wright, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Bill Gill, Victoria Colca Perry, Joe Radwan, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Molly Bautista, Becca Spry, Anthony Rees Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Courtney Harris, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, G, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Herabat, Melanie Dugreif, Maria, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web Designed by Kelly Schubert. And the music is by Bettina Kambamanes. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash potterless. And for merch, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to see us live in New Orleans with Harry Potter and the Secret Text, go to multitude.production slash live. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's in person or through a review online, that really does help. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, as I say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on!